Heavenly Father, we do want, in our hearts we fall at your feet. You bring yourself to us and we bring ourselves to you. We haven't got much to lay before you, Lord. We are sinful people who utterly rely upon your grace. We just lay ourselves before you. And we ask you to do for us today what you promised Ezekiel you would do for his people then. We ask you, Lord, to just renew our hearts. We ask you to fill us all over again with your Holy Spirit. And not least me, Lord, because these people don't want to hear me. They want to hear you. And so we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mackie has given me the reading for the day. And he's told me which verses he wants to concentrate on. So, this is from Ezekiel chapter 36, and I'm beginning at verse 22. I'm going to read from verse 22 to verse 39. This is God's word to Ezekiel. Therefore... Say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God. It's not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from among all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God and I will deliver you from all your uncleanness and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. I make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. And then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It's not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O Israel. Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places shall be rebuilt and the land that was desolate shall be tilled instead of being the desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by. And they will say, this land that was desolate has become the Garden of Eden and the waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. And then the nations of the left or around you shall know 
that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. Thus says the Lord God, this also I will let the house of of Israel ask me to do for them, to increase their people like a flock like the flock for sacrifices, like the flock at Jerusalem during her appointed feasts, so shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of people. And then they will know that I am the Lord. The background here is that Ezekiel was amongst the first people um, that were exiled to Babylon. And God appeared to him back at the beginning of his prophecy, appeared to him perhaps five years after that exile. Ezekiel had been exiled, his wife was left behind. She later died in Israel, he never saw her again. But God appointed him to be his prophet to Israel from Babylon. The nature of his call was awesome. He had a vision of God which he takes a whole chapter almost to describe. The glory, the extraordinary wonder of the God who revealed himself to him. And in just one sentence you see how he was unable to put into words how magnificent and majestic and awesome and holy he found God to be. Because he says this, such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I just fell on my face. He's just speaking of the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord which was so utterly awesome that he couldn't stand before him. And he was overwhelmed for days. In that vision, that alone, God showed himself to be the holy God of Israel. The only God of the nations, the only God of the universe, the holy God, in whom there is no wickedness or darkness, who only is to be worshipped and listened to. That sense of the holiness of God goes all the way through Ezekiel's prophecies. He can never get it out of his heart how utterly awesome God is. Which for him only shows him again how utterly degraded the people's attitude to God has been. How utterly ignorant the people have been of the holiness and greatness of God. 
that they should have fallen into the uncleannesses and idolatry, which then so hurt, angered God, that after a hundred years of warnings through different prophets, eventually he said, in effect, enough is enough. You're going to exile. You're going to be overwhelmed. I've got to teach you a lesson, I'm sorry. Your attitudes, your indifference, your uncleanliness leaves me no choice. What I said I would do if you continued in your wicked ways, now I'm going to do. And he was doing it. And Ezekiel found himself in the first wave of exiles, but now called by God with this extraordinary vision of the holiness of God. A theme which goes all the way through Ezekiel's prophecies is one that we read in this chapter. Then, when I have done this, when I have done that, then you will know that I am the Lord. Then they will know that I am the Lord. So if nothing else happens for you today, please go back in your prayers and say, do I know you are the Lord? You are the Lord. Now reading this, I noticed that one word appeared in two verses. I haven't yet come to the verses Mackie told me to preach from. I'll come to them. It's, it's on tape, so I've got to. He'll listen to it. This word profaned, it's a word we all know in our heads, but I want to know what this word profaned really means. And when God says that his name had been profaned, it means that his name in people's understanding and recognition had been defiled. It had been polluted. We understand what pollution is, dirted, made filthy, made ineffective, made common. The attitudes of the people of Israel over generations had polluted his name in their own eyes and in the eyes of those around and about. So that when people looked at this Jewish people, when others looked at this Jewish people, they didn't see a holy God reflected in their lives and attitudes. They saw a God just like the gods of the nations. His name had been polluted. They had committed idolatry. 
Now, of course, we don't commit idolatry these days, do we? Because, of course, we don't have little idols, or perhaps some people do have little idols on their mental peace. But Jesus did say that where your heart is, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And if you have got a treasure, or I have got a treasure in our lives, which takes precedence over our affections for God, or our devotions, or anything like that, I'm afraid it's stepped into the place of an idol. The Israelites had idols, and Eden made little shrines to them. And their hearts had become hearts of stone towards God. Hearts of stone. Well, these are the definitions I found in different dictionaries. A stern or a cruel nature is a heart of stone. A cold or unfeeling nature, a heart of stone. Inflexible, unfriendly and an unkind disposition is a heart of stone. Hard, unmoved is a heart of stone. And these people generally had become cold towards God unfeeling towards God, inflexible in relation to his laws, unfriendly to those who try to correct them according to the word of God, hard and unmoved. And I would like to add one, I hope I'm not wrong in this, I don't think so, cynical indifference to the word of God. Because at the end of Ezekiel, chapter 33, in order to do this, I had to read the whole of Ezekiel, by the way. At the end of Ezekiel 33, the people say to one another, um, your people talk together about you by the walls, at the doors of the houses. They say one to one another, each to his brother, come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. And they come to you as people come, and they sit before you as my people, and they hear what you say, but they don't do it. In other words, they're saying, let's go and hear the word of the Lord. Let's go and listen to the prophet. But they're utterly indifferent to what the prophet says. And they leave the place without any intention whatever of acting on what the word of the Lord has been. This was how they had become. And in doing this, they had profaned the name and the holiness of God. But this passage, this passage comes with a wonderful promise that God is going to restore his people He's going to restore his people to their land. He's going to take them out of exile. He's going to fill the land again. The desolate places are going to become rich with grain and all the rest of it. And the city is going to be teeming with people all over again. He's going to do it. He's going to rescue his people. But notice this. It's not for your sake, he said. It is not for your sake that I'm doing this. 
You mustn't imagine that God is indifferent to his people as he says this because because let me see where is this back in chapter 16 he makes it quite clear that they've made a covenant with him and he's made a covenant with them and whatever they're like he's going to keep his side of the covenant so this holy God who has been so profaned so angry as to send his people into exile hasn't forgotten that there is a covenant relationship and he's not going to break it from his side in fact he is going to bring them back but notice this it's not for your sake I'm doing this says God it's so that my name can regain its honour among you and within the world because he is God whether anybody believes it or not he's God and he's the holy God so he says to them I'm going to take out of you your heart of stone this unfeeling unresponsive indifferent cold attitude of your heart I'm going to take this out of you and I says God I'm going to put in you in its place a heart of flesh so what is a heart of flesh well it's a heart which feels and loves and uh, is moved and is friendly and is flexible feeling and warm I'm going to give you a heart which is warm towards me of warm that is flexible when you come and hear my word you will be flexible because you will hear and you say oops God we're so sorry and you're going to respond to it I'm going to give you a heart which actually longs to know what my way is and will bow before me and honour me because it loves me and is warm to me my holy name I'm going to do that for you and I'm going to give you a new spirit but the spirit I'm going to give you is my spirit says the Lord I will do this for you now then if we have a new heart we have a whole new disposition and if we have a new spirit which is his spirit we have a whole new motivation and the new, the new disposition and the new motivation which he intends to give to his people is one that recognises his holiness and lives by his rule and by his word and obeys him and is such an honourable people and such a worshipful people that people round about say now, now we know that he is God. Now we understand how great he is and that will be the whole purpose of it 
But amazingly, or perhaps not amazingly, he goes on to say that when he's given them a new heart, a new disposition, and when he's granted them and given them this whole new motivation of his spirit within them, then they will come to look at the things they did in the past and come to loathe themselves because of it. And despise the things which they once did in their indifference and their cold-heartedness. And will be ashamed of what they did. And then when they bow down before the holiness of God, it will be weeping and with tears and with repentance and a genuine, genuine attitude actually of worship. Because they're down before the almighty holy God and he has given them deliverance and transformation. So there will be great rejoicing in it to follow. Now there's something about this passage which I'm a bit nervous to say. Though I don't think I should be, but I am. Is that when we read this passage, we read it in the 21st century in a white Western culture which is very individualistic. So naturally, we want him to give me a new heart and me his spirit, and you'll say the same using the word me, and I, and all the rest of it. And that is totally valid, as far as I'm concerned, as far as the word of God, I believe, is concerned. But when God is speaking here, he's not just speaking about an individual or individuals, is he? He's speaking about a people. And he's going to bring a people back. And this people unitedly are going to have their new heart and this new spirit. And this people unitedly would be the evidence to the nations around that he is really God because these people as a people will be worshipping him. So I want to suggest that in our 21st century there's a, there's reasonable, there's a reason to suggest that we don't just take this personally, but that we take this corporately and ask of God together, what kind of people are we? Give us as a people a new heart, if we need one. Give us as a people a new spirit. Give us as a body, Lord, a new disposition, so that as a body towards you, we are warm and friendly and open and flexible and listen to the word of God and don't go away and fail to do it, but go away and do it together. Give us, Lord, as a people, a new motivation to be your people so all around people hear of this body and say, surely, and look at them. He is an awesome and holy God. Now think about it. Because 
I understand that uh, here um, Mackie's notes to me. <laughs> so Mackie, I'm I'm using them. I understand at the end of each week, he's asking you to recall, remember through scripture, what God says about him. So if you need to recall it, remember today that the God you came to worship is the holy God who gave his son Jesus Christ. He is the holy God who allowed his son to die so that our sins could be forgiven. He is the holy God who is represented in this meal. Recall that. And if you sense in your own personal heart or corporate heart that you have grown cold or indifferent or careless so that your heart has become increasingly a a heart of stone, then listen to his word and reclaim his truth in your hearts with acknowledgement and then respond with the action of getting on your knees and saying, God, please, renew me. Just like you did once before, maybe. Just like you did last week again, maybe. But renew me, Lord. Renew my heart. So it is a heart of flesh which just longs for you and to be your person. And with a new motivation which people can only say is inspired by your spirit because you're my God, you're my saviour. That would be the way to respond But to respond as a people, as a body, I'm going to conclude with two scriptures. One from 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen race. A royal priesthood a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. That's who you are in Jesus. And this is how you are that in Jesus. This comes from Hebrews chapter 12 and a few verses beginning about 12. Therefore lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by by it many become defiled. See that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright 
for a single meal. And that is something you do as a body between you, watching out for one another, praying for one another, living together for God. And may he bless you. And may he allow you to say, Lord, fill our ranks with so many people we haven't seen so many before. Because at the end of the chapter we read, he gave them permission to ask that. God bless you.